using those always or never statements Mm -hmm. can act as like a big exaggeration of things. Like you always do this when we get together with your friends kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or um, you never say I love you when we're around your family or something like that. Just like exaggerating something again, using always or never statements to me are huge exaggerations and generally aren't at all true. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multiamory Podcast, we're talking about how to take the fight out of your fights. Everyone gets into fights or arguments with the people that they're close to, but today we're going to talk about the difference between fighting fair and fighting dirty, as well as some proactive steps you can take to de-dirtify your arguments. <laughs> yeah, get that dirt out of <laughs> wow. here. Clean yeah, that just scrub it out, up. scrub it Yeah, good. Scrub it all up and down. Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, I, we've all fought dirty, haven't we? I mean, oh, I yes. know I have. Yeah. I definitely have a long track record of fighting dirty. I still do sometimes. I, I think that I feel very fortunate in being regularly on a podcast where I talk about like communication tools every week, mm-hmm. as well as like helping people to, you know, like working with clients to de-dirtify their communication, that it at least helps me to catch myself, I think, a little bit faster when I know I'm slipping into some bullshit, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> but honestly, I'm really glad to hear that like, you do that sometimes too. That like you're not completely perfect when it comes to your relationship uh, conflicts. Emily, are you kidding me? Have you not talked to Jace? I thought for sure Jace <laughs> would be the first person to throw me under the bus no, of not being no. perfect. He is incredibly kind and giving, and not like he's not going to like throw you under the bus. No, oh, that's nice. he's not like that. Yeah, maybe because a no, small the only. Bus. Oh, just a small bus. Yeah. The only time when I've ever seen you fight dirty is during our radars, during our scrums, Uh, or our work scrums. Our our professional scrums. scrums. Between the three of us. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I fight dirtier in in those than I do in, like, my personal relationship sometimes, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say, though, over over the past, I guess, almost six years, Dedeker, like, it's... Mm -hmm definitely changed like i think for both of us our ways of of addressing conflicts is better oh yeah is much less on just sort of like winning at any cost which is kind of what i think Mm. a lot of us are taught fighting is and how it should be and you know you just want to be the one who's winning um to a much more constructive sort of thing which i think has grown out of other stuff we talk about on the show like radar or um nonviolent communication or, or kind of other tools to help to help kind of even prevent some of those or at least give a better space for having them. Um, so I've definitely, yeah. I, I was thinking about that actually just the other day of just like how night and day different that is from a few years ago when we would be upset or fighting about something. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's really great. 
So I want to give a little shout out callback to our episode 151, um, Conflict 60, Crash Course. Almost 60 episodes ago. Yeah, that is amazing. 60 years ago. Actually, it was December 2017, <laughs> um, if you want to go back and check. Um, anyway, uh, th- I think that was the first time that we covered specifically this topic head on of like finding essentially rules of fair engagement or some best mm-hmm. practices for kind of setting yourself up for your fights or arguments to to be more productive. Um, and what we covered in that particular episode, we started out from a, a place of like three base assumptions. And I want to cover those again before we dig into our topic today. And our first base assumption that we're going to carry with us today is that conflict, disagreements, fights are inevitable in any human relationship. There are very few relationships you'll experience in your life, whether it's a family, friend, romantic, sexual relationship that are totally... Coworker. Yeah, yeah. coworker relationship. It's very rare that you'll have a relationship that's totally conflict-free, proud to be, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then kind of going along with that is that if conflict is present, it doesn't mean that the relationship is necessarily unhealthy. Meaning, you know, if you disagree on stuff, if you don't have exactly the same brain as each other, that's natural and that's Which okay. Which you probably won't. <laughs> and if you disagree, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that relationship. Yeah. And then finally, conflict can be a really great opportunity for personal growth and also the growth of the relationship specifically. And we found uh, four specific ways where fighting can actually be good for a relationship. So the first way is going to be that fighting forces you to confront any challenges in your relationship head on. So often, like, if you're not ever talking about things that are challenging in a relationship, they can kind of fester, they can kind of grow. So if you are actively um, engaging in arguments sometimes in a productive manner, then you can really target those specific issues head on and have the opportunity to confront them. And that's really important in any type of relationship. Yeah. And building on that, it also allows issues that you have between the two of you to have a chance to come to light and be resolved as opposed to staying bottled up um, until they eventually boil over because someone can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And conscious fighting or arguing can allow for exploration of what our own boundaries are or what makes us feel hurt or neglected by our significant other, that it can kind of you know, inspire you to to think about and examine those things a little more deeply while also hearing those from your partner. And with all of these things, ultimately, that can create more intimacy with your partner, because again, you can get a better better understanding of their needs, um, of your specific needs, um, of your wants, uh, and your mutual, just like things that you want for your relationship and for your life. And also really what makes them feel offended or neglected in a relationship. And those are incredibly important things to know whenever you're in a relationship with someone. Yeah, something we talked about, I believe we talked about this when we did our our boundary or basics of boundaries episode is that sometimes we don't know our own boundaries or we don't know our partner's boundaries until we bump up against them in some Mm. way. And that's not necessarily anyone's fault. It's not like you're consciously holding out on someone or like not, not expressing your boundaries. It really is. Sometimes that's the only way that we learn in the first place. Ooh, that's a boundary for me or Ooh, that's a boundary for this other person. And that's actually a good, a good thing to kind of, I see it as kind of like when you're playing a video game and you like unlock a portion of the map that was all cloudy and foggy and then mm. now it's unlocked. Now you kind of know where you're navigating and where you're going. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. 
Now, however, all of these things, you know, kind of coming in with these assumptions and acknowledging all the good things that conflict and arguments and fighting can produce in a relationship, that's all predicated on the fighting and the arguing itself being based on a foundation of fair play, or some people call them, you know, rules of fair engagement, basically on a foundation of the communication being good and the fighting itself being productive, you know, like fights that are unproductive or that are just hurting the other person or that are stirring up a bunch of negative emotions all the time without resolution. That kind of conflict is not the thing that is going to be moving the relationship forward and generating intimacy and things like that. So I think that was kind of what we wanted to dig into in this episode is finding the distinction between what is the conflict that is productive versus what is the conflict that is unproductive or fucking dirty. <laughs> yeah, and and just to to throw this out there for other people like me who maybe are listening to this and going like I d- like using the word fighting and saying that can be a good thing, like that's like I I agree with you. Listeners I guess it out does there. have like a negative connotation. Like I wouldn't yeah. use I wouldn't use the word fighting for any of this, but more like you could say arguing or you know some kind of conflict disagreeing that, that that can be productive. And so I just I just want to kind of throw that out there in case there's anyone who's frustrated by using the word fighting. Um, mostly we just like the alliteration of fighting fair uh, or fighting yeah. dirty is like an expression people use. So you know just mm-hmm. so you understand, we don't mean like pure SEO. <laughs> yeah, it's pure SEO. So don't don't worry about it too much. Uh, but it does yeah. it does remind me you kind of making that little aside. I, I just downloaded on my Kindle um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a uh, uh, he's a a well known Buddhist uh, author and writer and, and figure. Um, he put out this series of books that are like how to love, how to walk, how to eat, and it's all about like mindfulness and meditation and stuff like that. But the one that I downloaded was how to fight. Um, uh, and it's the same thing. It's like obviously. Thich Nhat Hanh coming from his, you know, Zen Buddhist background is not teaching us about like how to punch each other either verbally or physically or things like that. But it is about these kind of things about like coming up against conflict and disagreement and finding a way for it to be both mindful and compassionate and and as fair as possible. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'd also highly recommend that book because it's only like six dollars or something right now. Oh, sweet. Downloading it right now. Okay, great. Okay. So that being said... Let's talk about what fighting dirty actually looks like. And because I think it is really important to talk about the negative things because sometimes we don't realize, sometimes if some of these behaviors come from like our family of origin, we cannot even be aware that we're doing them or not even be aware that these are not productive things. It's just like this is what we saw and so this is what you go to in an argument. Mm. Yeah, like I know a lot of people will you know, they'll argue a lot, say, in their relationship, and they'll defend it by being like, oh, yeah, that's what good relationships are like, or that's what my parents always did, and, like, that makes us more intimate, it makes us better, right? They say those things like we were just talking about earlier. And kind of the question I always have is, like, is it, though? Like, it depends what that fighting looks like, what that arguing looks like. And sometimes I think if we don't know what bad, problematic, potentially toxic fighting looks like, we might not even recognize it if we're doing it or even doing parts of it. It's not like a binary, like yeah. you're either it's a toxic very intimate thing. or constructive. You could be somewhere in between, but kind of learning mm-hmm. what are the, the things that are going to be a problem. Right. So we came up with three broad 
categories that like fighting dirty or toxically or non-productively kind of falls into. Um, and so I'm just going to review those really quick before we dive into the specifics. So the first category is that fighting dirty is unclear and distracted. The second is that it is aggressive. And the third is that it's disempowered, static and reactive. But let's dive into the first one here. Yeah, so unclear and distracted is the first one. And this is an interesting way in which to put it. But I think like, if you come into an argument without really knowing what you are looking for, if you like want something from your partner, but you really don't know what that is, I think that it can lead to an unclear or a distracted fight occurring. Um, So an example of that is being really unspecific or vague about what you're asking for, not being direct about like, hey, this is the thing that I felt didn't go well in this interaction or I felt, you know, triggered by X word that you said to me or something along those manners. If it if it becomes like really unspecific or vague, if it's like talking about maybe just your emotion rather than uh, in kind of like a broad sense rather than like a specific thing that occurred, then that can be a challenging way in which to like hear, you know, your from your partner that you have an issue because they're not going to really know how to address that head on. Right. Like, like an example would be what something like, um, you know, you're always disrespecting me. It's kind of this vague statement, "Mm." right? It's, it's the other day you were being really disrespectful or something like that. Even instead of being like, Hey, like I felt hurt when you mentioned my mother, you know, did this thing, uh, the other week when we were together, I don't know, like instead of being super specific about it, mm-hmm. you just kind of like throw out an always or never statement regarding like mm. how your partner is in general. Yeah, I think I've I've also been on the receiving end. I'm, I'm trying to remember of, of a partner, you know, just being like, I, I just feel like you're uh, like you've just been acting weird lately. Um, yeah. And like, that's it. like just you like you've been acting angry all the time or you you're know, like pulling away from me. I know, it's all like vague comments. It's like, okay, I have no idea what that means, what I was doing. Like, mm-hmm. can we take a step back and kind of address like specifics here? And if you're not able to give those specifics, then it becomes not very productive. Yeah, it's kind of it's like it's like fighting with an amoeba, <laughs> so, exactly. sort of. I guess is the image that came with to mind ditto, for me. No. With yeah. a ditto, yeah. That's like the best yeah, metaphor that I had <laughs> in my head, the Pokemon ditto. Um, and then uh, the next one is going to be exaggeration. So again, in my opinion, like using those always or never statements mm. can act as like a big exaggeration of things. Like you always do this when we get together with your friends kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or um, you never say I love you when we're around your family. Or something like that, just like exaggerating something, again, using always or never statements to me are huge exaggerations and generally aren't at all true. Yeah, Um, it it could. I think exaggeration could also be like hopping to the assumption first. So, for instance, Mm. if it's like if the behavior that you see is like, oh, I notice like you're not affectionate to me in front of your family or you don't say I love you in front of my family, that it could be hopping to like you're embarrassed of me. Yeah. Or or you don't love you know it could be hopping to this you very extreme place yeah that does seek to although it's very dramatic um, does ultimately just kind of conflate what the actual issue at hand is totally or like it's seeking to get 
I don't know, a rise out of your partner or hopefully or probably them saying like, no, of course I love you. But instead you're like putting it in this kind of dirty, mean way, Mm. exaggerated manner. Mm. So yeah, those are two unclear Mm. and distracted fighting dirty methods. Yeah. The the next two are kind of related to each other. They're sort of um, two sides of the same coin, let's say. Uh, And this first one is not sticking to a particular topic and instead kind of combining things. It's like, we started this fight because I was upset at you for not putting your dishes away after you had a snack. And then I came and had to clean them up later. And then as we're arguing about that, then I'm suddenly arguing about you coming home late the other night and not texting me first. And then it morphs into me being upset about the fact that you we're late wishing me a happy birthday or right. Like you're just Months kind of ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. Where you just kind of intertwine and, and um, intermix all of these different things rather than staying focused. Um, right. Or trying to kind of find like, what's the common thread here. Right. It's like, I'm feeling upset. So I'm just going to reach out for like whatever memory I can grab. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other side of that is switch tracking or, Nickelbacking, as we like to call it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we did this. This was in the um, communication hacks booster pack episode yes. from a little while ago. I forget which number right now. Um, but this is the one where one one person comes and says, "I'm upset because uh, you didn't text me that you were going to be home late," and then the other person responds by saying. The way that you just told me that you didn't think that was okay was really disrespectful, and the fact that you said it in front of someone else or whatever, where you kind of talk past each other. It's like one person's Mm -hmm. trying to talk about one thing, and the other's trying to talk about a different thing. Oftentimes, it's one person talking about the way that the person talked about the first thing, although it doesn't always have to be that. Um, But that's kind of like the classic switch tracking example. Um, mm. so kind of, kind of similar to like meandering around, but this one kind of goes like two from two different directions. Um, and then the next one that Emily kind of brought up a little bit earlier with the multiple entwined topics is bringing up issues from the past, um, particularly things that have already been resolved or have already been forgiven or have worked towards some kind of completion with that, uh, is bringing those back up to then kind of further support why you're upset or why your your partner's upset or something it goes along with that, like grabbing for multiple entwined topics. Yeah. I think this is a really dangerous one and, and ha- carries a lot of ammunition with it. Uh, because especially if you know, as the partner who was maybe the initial offender, you know, that like that thing that your partner is bringing up really hurt them the first time out, but you feel that you made progress on that issue. You feel that like it is resolved. And then for them to come back and bring it up again and use it again as like a, well, here's another reason why you don't love me enough or something that can be a really fighting dirty tactic in my opinion Mm. and be a really challenging place to go. So again, uh, I'll bring this up and it's not always to be used, but well, I did have a um, relationship therapist tell me once, like, if it hasn't happened within the last two weeks, don't bring it up. Like, try to not go back to, like, past infractions that are more than two weeks old. Like, let bygones be go- bygones in those situations, especially if you have already resolved those issues. Yeah, I like the that. Reason- 
better is like the idea of like, is it resolved versus, you know, mm-hmm. if something happened two weeks ago, you haven't talked about yet. That's one thing. Sure. Right. That's yeah, not, but if then, it's resolved. Yeah. That's not fair to be if like, it's you a, can't if bring it's that a up. year or years old though, <laughs> right. if it's a right. year or years old, then there's yeah. like, like it's going to be okay. Right. Well, that's why I think this one can be so tricky and so easy for many of us to slip into is because I think that if you're feeling the urge to bring up something from the past, you know, it's like either that ind- either that indicates either that's just like your own personal BS and you're like you're kind of trying to find ammo and like, you know, kind of trying to fight dirty or that means this is actually not resolved, <laughs> you mm. know, like actually this needs time and space if this still feels like a sticking point for you. And it's OK to make that time and space to, to actually resolve these unresolved things or it's an indicator that there's something systemic going mm. on that is not yeah. okay like maybe it's an abuse situation you know and, and but i think that's why like it's so easy for us to fall into that mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. so moving on to the next category which is um fighting dirty is aggressive and we're gonna go through these I think unintentionally we kind of ordered these from like most extreme to least extreme or less extreme. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when we think about an aggressive fight, you know, obviously we can go to a place of like, yeah, you know, using physical violence or even threats of violence within a fight is not only just clearly fighting dirty, but also abusive and really unacceptable. Um, So, you know, we know that that's clear, but kind of scaling back, it can include, you know, aggression can include things like physical outbursts, such as throwing things, punching walls, punching objects. Even if it's not physical violence directed at your partner, it can be physical violence that's still expressed in front of your partner, which can Mm -hmm. still be damaging and scary and very unproductive. Um, It can be things like personal attacks on the partner, which can be things like insults, verbal abuse it can be like attacking that person's behavior or being extremely like unproductively critical of that person's behavior it can include things like going after a partner's weak spots or or quote-unquote punching below the belt like and i think insecurities yeah or going for their insecurities and i think you know this is definitely that moment in a fight when you're not in productive mode and you're in like trying to win mode, it can mm. be really tempting to go there because it's like, especially if you've been with someone for a long time, it's like, you know, their weak spots, you know, the things that hurt their feelings, you know, the things they're insecure about. And I know definitely in my experience in some of the really bad or like toxic fights I've had, it's definitely that when it's like, I feel like I'm losing or I feel like I've been hurt. And so I feel like I need to hit back mm. by making some kind of dig or some even a passive dig that I know is going to like hurt my partner right where it hurts the most. Um, mm. And so again, even if you're not using actual physical outward violence, like there can still be this aggression in the way that you approach this particular fight or the way that you handle your partner in this in this particular fight. Yeah, I think that Emily was kind of hinting at this earlier, but this bleeds in a little bit to like the bringing up past unresolved or I'm sorry, past resolved issues where it could be like, I think it could like, I guess the extreme example would be something like, well, this is, this is exactly, this is why your ex left you was over this same stuff, right? Something that like, you know, is a pain point. That's like a sore point, or it could even be something with us. So like, oh, see, this is exactly why, say it's something that you resolved earlier that your partner did because of some deep insecurity of their own that is something you've talked about and worked through. 
then bringing it up later and being like, well, it's just because of all your insecurity, just like you did this other thing from before, or just like your selfishness that you did before, right? Like these Mm -hmm. can kind of, you can kind of use that bringing up of past issues as a way of like personally attacking or attacking something on someone that, on a topic that you feel like you've already won. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like you've had that conversation and maybe they did admit, yes, I was I was wrong. I did something shitty and I'm going to work to repair that, right? You've already resolved that. It's like going back to that one because you know they've already lost. And so you can keep mm. winning that one when you're afraid yeah. you're not going to win the current one. Right. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's tough. Um, again, on the aggressive side, uh, yelling or screaming or even raising your voice, that can be really powerful and really uh, hard to be on the receiving end of. Um, I know from experience, definitely I've been in relationships where people have yelled and really who are quite much bigger than I am. And it mm. feels it can feel very vulnerable and it can feel very aggressive and very awful in those moments. So I definitely urge you all out there to temper that if you can, because that can be really uh, scary in a way that physical or threat threatening violence can be. It is almost a threat of violence in a way it can be when that like intense aggression is thrown at you. It can feel, Hmm. it can feel abusive and it can feel pretty awful. Um, And then also this is a little bit uh, less on the scale of aggression, but just even initiating uh, argument or a fighting at a really unproductive time when like your partner is clearly tired when they're busy when you're in public maybe or just ambushing your partner out of the blue when they're in the middle of something maybe when they're at work or mm. just even when they've uh, directly gotten home from work and they clearly are tired from a long day or just kind of like aggressively Sure. Oh, yeah. About to leave for work, about to leave for something really important. And it's like, well, we we really need to talk about this thing right now. Mm -hmm. Like, do you actually? I don't Mm. know that you do. Yeah, I've been on both sides of this one really badly. Sure. And and the and the yelling, like raising raising my voice or or a partner raising their voice or like with my roommate, both of us raise our voices sometimes when we're arguing. And it's like. Even if, it's, other. even if it's a situation <laughs> where it's not even like Emily described, where there's like a, a physical power imbalance and a fear there, mm-hmm. like even that, it's still not productive. Like that's not making mm-hmm. that argument go any better. That's not mm-hmm. letting us resolve that, even if we are equally matched. And I feel like sometimes people will use that to defend it. It's like, oh, we both yell at each other. But it's like, is it, it's not ideal. Yeah. It's not ideal. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, related to the aggression, you know, aggression often comes from a place of anger. You know, it's actually relatively natural to have these like physical responses in our body when we're feeling angry, you know, you know, from your, your heart rate getting faster and your, you know, the rate of your breathing getting faster or feeling like this tingling, like, you know, feeling like your body getting ready for that, you know, fight or flight response. And I just want to give a call back to our episode 205 that we did pretty recently about anger itself being good for you and not necessarily being something to squash down. And I just want to clarify, we're going to talk about this more a little bit later in the episode, but like feeling angry or feeling like these like violent physical sensations coming up on you doesn't mean like you're a bad person for feeling that way. It doesn't mean that like you need to squash that down or repress it and you need to never feel that way. But it does mean that you probably need to take steps to have a good outlet for that 
as opposed mm. to using the fight or the argument itself as the container for that anger. Um, yeah. But again, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah. So our third category here for um, what fighting dirty looks like is that it's disempowered, it's static, and it's reactive. So I feel like that one's a little bit hard to parse just from the title of it. So let's look at some specific examples. So the first of these is ignoring or procrastinating on dealing with problems or um, refusing to discuss them. Just being like, no, no, I can't talk about that now. And kind of over and over and over again, just not being willing mm. to talk about the thing. It's that very sort of static, like, no, we're just going to keep things how they are because I'm not willing to discuss it. Um, or like Dedeker was talking about just now with anger is bottling up or refusing to share your true feelings and this, I feel like, can happen for a ton of reasons, right? It could be because you don't want to rock the boat. Um, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It could be that, well, I was upset about this thing at a time when I couldn't bring it up, but now things are okay, and so I don't want to bring it up now and make the good times bad, so I'm just mm. not going to. And it might not even be that, like, step-by-step -step thought out, but I've, I've very much done this one, where I just won't bring stuff up at a time when we are calm because I don't, I want to just enjoy the good time that we're having. Um, and so instead that will bottle it up and it'll get to a point where then I'll bring it up at a not as productive time to talk about it when I'm in the moment upset about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is to just sort of drag out a fight rather than reaching actionable solutions. So very mm -hmm. reactive. It's like, we're just reacting to being upset. We're being upset and then kind of run out Going of energy. Going round and round and round in circles. Until we run out of energy and then it stops until the next time we fight again. Mm. Right. Yeah, this is the kind of thing where it's, it's, it's kind of this tricky version of static in a fight where it can feel like the fight's ongoing, especially if you're dragging it out, especially if it's like, you know, you start the fight, someone has to leave for work, you continue the fight via text, um, maybe you throw yeah. in some like silent treatment in between and then continue the fight via text later. And then like the person comes home and maybe we go to bed and don't talk to each other. And then the next morning we have the fight again and it can feel like the fight's Forever. still, the fight's still going on in the timeline, but it's not going anywhere. Mm. So it's still actually static. Like we're not moving toward actionable resolutions cool. We're yeah, we're not moving toward trying to collaborate on this. It's just kind of like dragging out us maybe like venting our negative feelings or just trying to hurt each other or trying to withdraw from each other and so it is kind of this weird thing where it's like in the moment it can feel like not progress is being made but actually it's kind of more of a like spinning the wheels like just staying in one spot yeah absolutely and to go along with that just as you said silent treatment or stonewalling, which is one of the Gottman Institute's four horsemen of the apocalypse. Very important. Um, it, it was stonewalling, just so those of you know what it is, it's really like withdrawing or closing off from your partner, just kind of shutting down from them. And it, it really can cause an argument or just anything in general to go nowhere. Because if you can't have a mutual understanding between two people, then you're not going to move forward and progress in the potential argument that you're having. So this is a really important one and a really challenging one to combat if you come up against it. I feel like there are some very sneaky ways that this one can show mm -hmm. up. Because I feel like yeah. for, for a lot of people, like the silent treatment 
maybe we do it sometimes. But it's usually for like little bits of time. Like a moment. It's like, like a moment. And, we, and I think we yeah. kind of know that we're being a little bit childish by doing it because it is kind of a thing we're aware of, right? Like the cold shoulder or the silent treatment. But there's kind of more subtle ways of stonewalling, which is kind of pretending to be coming from a place of being very emotionally um, intelligent or emotionally understanding mm. of mm. saying like, well, these are just my feelings and you can't argue with my feelings. What they're saying is, I'm not willing to have this conversation. I'm right. I won't accept any conversation about it. And there's, it's this tricky thing because there are times when just being really honest about like, these are my feelings and those, you can't just talk those away is mm -hmm. true and is a valid thing to do. But there are other times where you can use that exact same description as a way of stonewalling and of just being like, nope, you have to agree with me or nothing. See, that's really interesting because I thought you were going to go a different direction with okay, this, yeah. with like the sneaky ways that stonewalling and the silent treatment can come up. And it actually came up for me quite recently in my last oh. radar um, with my partner, Alex, that hmm. kind of toward the end of a radar that had been like relatively conflict free up to that point, like we hit on a topic that kind of struck a nerve with both of us. And I got upset enough that I was like, okay, I need to halt. I'm going to take a walk and then come back. Um, so I went out, I took a walk. Uh, you know, I just like, you know, walked around the block and like went across the street and like sat down on a bench and like took, and I think at this point it took maybe 10 minutes. Like I sat down, like started writing some stuff out, like on my phone just to kind of clear my thoughts. And after doing that, started feeling actually quite better and felt like, okay, I feel like I'm ready to come back to this. And again, this was maybe only like 10 or 15 minutes. It was a relatively short period of time that I needed before I was ready to come back to the discussion. However, then in that moment, there was kind of like, I like I had that like devil on the shoulder, angel on the shoulder kind of moment where uh -huh. it's like the angel on my shoulder was like, okay, like you've had your venting time, you've had your halt time, you feel ready to come back to this now, you better go head back and like have a productive discussion now. But the devil was like, you should stay out for another 20 minutes just hmm. to like, get I don't, his goat. just yeah. to get his go, I guess, or just to get him a little bit worried or just to, like, it was not like when I think about it now, I'm embarrassed because it's like the devil like had literally like nothing good to say about nothing the situation. Helpful, yeah. Like wanting to stay out for an extra 20 or 30 minutes was purely just like, like purely selfish, purely nonproductive. But it's like, I still felt that. And hmm. I think that that can be a very slippery slope to being like, well, I'm going to like remove myself from the situation, either like go in the other room and lock the door or like go out for a really long walk or be out for hours at a time. And I can make the argument of like, well, I needed to halt and get out of the situation when it's kind of like a mix of maybe halting combined with some stonewalling. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, like, do, yeah. I mean, do, do y'all get what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm also I'm like not the, a big fan of halting. <laughs> I, I am for the right reasons, but I really like, I generally am like, I want to continue this unless it's mm -hmm. like a huge infraction in the middle of it. I'm like, I really want to keep going because I think that I can piece together my thoughts best if we just like continue talking through it together. Well, maybe but, it's a spiritual thing because I know for me it, at that in mm, that particular argument, maybe, like, what maybe. really caught me is like I felt my anger coming up, and I was like, I know if I just sit here and power through this, I'm going to say something really not nice, mm. and it's and maybe maybe that's it. See, because my my chewer partner is halts like 
all the time, a lot, <laughs> maybe, just a lot yeah. more than me at the very least. And so uh, I think maybe that's it. It's like a, a wanting a hope of like being able to collect one's thoughts mm. in a productive manner as opposed to like Jason and I, I think, who would both be like, well, let's talk about this together. Like, I'm just mm. going to like throw some stuff out there and just listen to me for a second while I talk. <laughs> instead of like sitting there quietly by oneself thinking about it before we go back to the conversation. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this one recently of just being like, you know, I think there are definitely times that I could get better at realizing when to halt. Um, yeah, me too. Just for a short amount of time, even for just like mm. a couple minutes. Interesting. Which I think would be a good sort of, um, kind of habit interrupt for things like raising my voice or, mm. you know, getting like physically agitated about something of just like kind of training that, that sort of um, mental, uh, like a circuit breaker, I guess, where it's like, I start feeling this way and like halt, emergency halt, you know, timeout, like on How I Met Your Mother, where Lily and Marshall would do their, like, timeout, and time would out. just, like, yeah. immediately pause an Everything argument, stops. go take care of their lives, and then come back. You know, kind of like that. I actually think that would be a really helpful thing, because I tend to be like Emily, where, like, like a, I just want to power like a micro through. micro-halt? A little micro-halt. Oh, I like that. Something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's just a micro-halt. Yeah. See, yeah, okay, uh, maybe it is a spiritual thing, because when I think about it, I'm like, that gives me anxiety to think about micro-halts. Wait, why? why? I don't know. I, I guess because when I, I think about halting... Halts. No, I I love halts. I do. Trust me, I do. But I think I'm... I'm I don't know. Maybe, we need, maybe I just need to experiment with it and try it. Jace, we can uh, try see, it. Okay. We'll yeah, like... It. Yeah. Like a speed halt? I had... It, or mini one halt? of our... Um, yeah, a mini halt. No, one of our, uh, let's see, patrons used the word timeout like you just said, uh, um, and said like that they and their partner will say the word timeout and that that means like everything is dropped regardless of what hap- what is happening in the mm-hmm. moment. And you time out and then like for 10 or 15 minutes or however long they decide, like they have to like just go to separate rooms and like cool off and then mm-hmm. maybe they can come back to the argument. And so yeah. that kind of provides like a safe word almost just like, a, okay, we're timing out right now. And like anyone mm-hmm. can say it for any reason and I don't know. And it's better to me than just like the wishy-washy halt that sometimes happens. Like, you know, I really think that maybe we should halt right now, which to me, I'm like, no, we're fucking okay. not. Okay. Well, hang we're, on. we're fucking going to okay. keep going. I'm going to jump in because I think what I think makes for a more effective halt is when you call a halt on yourself and you're dedicated mm. to just that. And it's sure. never, it's never a, it's never a, hey, you need to halt. Mm. And it yeah. maybe even for the sake of safety, it's never a, hey, we should halt. Because I think that can mm. also be like a passive I like way that too. Of, of kind like of implying that. like, oh, you're getting out of hand. I find for myself, it definitely goes a lot better if I'm like, I need to take a break. I need to take a halt. I need to take a walk. Even no, if I, I feel like it's the other person hugely. who's more upset, but it rarely is. Usually it's me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I really, I appreciate that very much because then it's taking ownership for something as opposed to being like, clearly right. you need to fucking calm down right yeah, now. Yeah, because that Which just, to me, I'm like, 
I am escalates. fine, okay? <laughs> I am totally fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> okay, it all comes yeah. out. Anyways, we have one more in this disempowering <laughs> and static section, yeah. uh, which is like what we were just saying, only blaming or not taking responsibility and owning your own shit, uh, which I think is huge and happens a lot in arguments. It is like, let's deflect, 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 mm. and we're throwing everything at your partner and saying like, well, you're doing this and you're doing that and you're not, you know, showing me enough respect, whatever. I don't or feel I safe only, in this I only relationship. I only acted this way because you did this thing. Oh, sure. That's yeah, good. Any, yeah. Any of the above. I mean, bad. Yeah. And instead of like being reflective, and I think it is an important thing. Yes, halt is great, but I think it it can be really important to be reflective in the moment and to really like actively listen to what your partner's saying. And if they're like, hey, actually in that moment when you said X, Y, or Z, it really hurt and it really, you know, made me feel challenged. Like, why did you say that? Can we maybe examine that for a minute? And to be able to say like, hey, shit, why did I say that? Like, that was kind of uncool. Mm -hmm. Instead of just being like, well, obviously it was something you did that made me do that. So the interesting thing is when we were writing this episode, I considered putting the like, you know, blaming and not taking responsibility under a different category. But Mm. then when I thought about it, like, I feel like that impulse to only blame on either your partner or some kind of external factor, I feel like that actually comes from a very disempowered place. I know the times that I've felt it's easier for me to be able to own up in an argument and be like, you know what, you're right. I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry that I said that. Um, like, if I'm feeling disempowered, it's a lot harder for me to do that versus, like, if I feel more empowered and I feel like, you know, me coming clean or me taking responsibility is going to empower the situation and allow it to move forward, then for me, mm-hmm. I find it a lot easier. It doesn't mean that it feels, like, good. You know, it's definitely humbling. But I don't know. I get This is just kind of like a subtle nuance thing that I feel like I'm starting to learn at least about my own behavior is that if I'm mm. feeling like disempowered, then it's definitely a lot easier to go to a place of like, I need to try to win or I need to try to save face or I need to try to make sure that like you feel worse about this than I do. Interesting. Yeah. And then when we were reading about this, one of the things that came up that I really, I was just like, shit, you're right, was this idea of a sign that you're fighting in a dirty way is if your objective is ever to win. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, Oh fuck. Like (laughs) that's just sort of the truth in that. And when I, when I looked at this list as we were going through it, I'm like, so much of this comes from a desire to win. And that Mm. we, that's how we end up resorting to some of these tactics without even being aware that we're doing these shitty things because it's just coming from a place of wanting to win. And that's something that we're, we see it all around us. Like this glorification of winning or the idea that like an argument has a winner and that, and that winning's a Mm. good thing. And that, you know, the reality of it is that arguments that do end with a winner, even if that's you ultimately is going to hurt that relationship more than well and it's also gonna have a loser and that's right and if that's your partner that's shitty yeah well and that's the thing is that that's gonna weaken and harm your relationship in a way that's eventually Mm -hmm. gonna make you both lose so like really like winning isn't even winning it's not even just like oh winning sucks because it's good for the winner and bad for the loser it's like no it's actually bad for both of you Mm -hmm. um it just feels good for the winner at that moment so 
that when I read that, I was just like, yes, there's something to this of like checking in with myself of like, am I trying to win right now? Like, am I, am I concerned about winning right now versus am I concerned with a positive outcome or getting this thing mm. resolved or finding a way for us to move forward and find a solution to this? Which is a good segue into our second half here. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. So let's talk about what fighting fair actually looks like. What are the, you know, more positive, more healthy, more productive rules of engagement? What are what are going to be the things that need to be in place in order for an argument to still be productive? And it doesn't mean that like if these things are in place that the argument's going to automatically just like feel great and it's going to be all like rainbows and butterflies. It'll probably still have uncomfortable emotions come up, but ideally taking on a sense of fighting fair rather than fighting dirty is going to lead you to a more productive place, which means productive resolutions, which means uh, less fights in the future, usually is kind of the way these things worked out. Um, <laughs> right. So kind of to counterbalance our three categories of fighting dirty, um, we also have three categories that all the behaviors surrounding fighting fair tend to fall into. And so those three are um, being clear and focused instead of unclear and distracted. The second one is being compassionate instead of being aggressive. And the third is being empowered, actionable, proactive instead of disempowered, static, and reactive. So let's dive into our first category. Yeah, so that clear and focused category instead of the unclear and distracted. Uh, So again, in this category, you want to stay focused on one issue at a time 
and don't be vague about it. So again, really try to be very specific to something and say like, hey, this was challenging for me when you said X or this made me feel X when you said Y. Anything along those lines, just really be specific in it and try and really hard not to be vague because that's not going to be helpful to anyone. Uh, And then again, stick to the truth. Don't exaggerate. Don't generalize. Don't say always or never. Just be like, again, hey, this is the thing that I perceived happening. This is how it made me feel. Can we talk about that? Something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, And then going along with that, like the examples Emily was giving, is to speak for yourself instead of speaking for your partner. Instead of saying something like, you disrespected me when you said this, it's saying, hey, I felt disrespected when this thing happened. It's It seems like such a subtle difference, but it makes that... It's huge, though. It's so huge it, to say the I, yeah. I statements versus you statements. Because then it's at least acknowledging the possibility that that's not what they intended, and mm-hmm. that you just felt that way. That doesn't mean the solution isn't going to be for them to change the way that they talk, or you know, for both of you to do something, but it's just acknowledging the fact that they didn't, you're not sort of putting intentions in their brain, like words in their mouth. <laughs> words right. in you're their not, mouth. Yeah. Inceptioning things <laughs> yeah. into their brain. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've definitely been in situations, I've been on both ends of a fight going to a place of like when you said this or when you did this, you were thinking X, Y, Z, or you yeah. must oh, yeah. have been, totally. you must have been thinking like, uh, you know, you must have been thinking like, whatever, I don't care about the relationship or you must have been thinking, you know, and I've also been on the receiving end of that as well. And I think that it's kind of the same. It's, it's like projecting these like intentions and thoughts mm-hmm. onto your partner instead of just kind of speaking from your own point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then the next one is to stick to the present. Stick to what the actual issue is at hand and don't bring up those issues from the past that have been resolved. Um, We kind of talked about this one quite a bit before. I think you get the idea. Sometimes I feel like we can come up with a lot of ways to justify bringing those things back up, but to really try to stick to the issues right now and kind of, even if it might be tempting to just bring up a thing from the past, to maybe take a moment to go, you know what, I'm not going to go there. Let's try to focus on a solution to what's happening right now. Um, yeah, because like ultimately, like, who is it going to help? Right, right. Yeah, if it's something they well, can't I, go back and change. I do know? just want to throw out there, unless unless it's like clear that it's like, okay, this thing from the past keeps coming up, so like we need to make time and space to actually resolve that. Like, Sure. You know, because, you know, we've seen... But the if it was group- a single infraction once... Right. Or something. Right. It's uh, these things take it takes nuance and it's hard to like paint with a broad brush like you should always do this or not do this, yeah. you know, and like we've heard of people weaponizing like this whole two week rule and mm. you know, making it so that you can't bring up things that you actually still are unresolved and upset that happened more than two weeks ago. It's like, you know, use your head, use your heart. Um you know, and, and again, if things from the past keep coming up for me, I'm saying like that that's an indicator that something is not resolved, you know, mm-hmm. and so actually give it the intentional time and space to resolve it or don't bring it up if it actually is resolved. Which then I think goes back to the first one, which is to stay focused on one issue at a time. And I think mm-hmm. if you are having that realization that that's not an excuse to then just sort of sidetrack the actual conversation, 
but instead to go, you know what? I'm realizing this is a thing we need to talk about. Let's dedicate a time to that rather than it constantly hijacking other conversations, right? Yeah. Um, and then the last one here in this clear and focused is give equal time for each person to talk. And this one, you'll have to kind of gauge for yourself how how this looks. Maybe this is something just as simple as being mindful of that and just be sure, be, being sure that you give time to listen to your partner and resist the urge to interrupt and just jump in with your side of it, really give it time to listen. Or this could be something that you find with your partner you need to be very structured about. Some people suggest mm-hmm. things like actually setting a timer, being like, you get one minute and then I get a minute and going back and forth like that, where you have sort of a, a third party, in this case, a timer, kind of telling you when you can or can't like talk. Um, you know, it could be different intervals of time, whatever, but just really um, being sure that each person is really getting time to talk. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to our next category, which is that, you know, fighting fair is compassionate as opposed to being aggressive. And I'm going to start out by saying that this includes being compassionate to yourself and to your feelings when you're in the middle of the fight. And um, I'm going to bring up again the acronym that we learned about when we were researching the Anger is Good for You episode, episode 205, which was AREA. And it's this step-by-step process of first admitting that you're angry restraining the anger in some way, then finding a way to express your feelings, and then coming up with action points or actionable steps that you and this other person can take together. Um, So that means something like, first of all, having the courage to even say, hey, I'm feeling really angry right now, and then moving on to restraining that anger. Either it's, I'm going to go for a jog, I'm going to go for a walk, I'm going to go hang out in the other room and meditate for 10 minutes, um or whatever. It's the idea being that like you're precluding any kind of like violent expressions of that anger, whether it's yelling or throwing things or actual physical violence. Um, I see that as being compassionate to yourself, you know, in choosing Mm -hmm. to do that is like being compassionate to your feelings, letting yourself feel the anger, giving yourself a place or a way to get those negative feelings out of your body in some way, and then coming back to it so that you can also show compassion and gentleness to your partner as well. Um, Mm. Related to that, the next one is, you know, avoiding personal attacks, avoiding degrading language. And this is something where we talked about this a little bit in like the conflict crash course episode. Um, This, I think, sometimes requires some self-awareness of, I call it like checking what's in your arsenal, checking Mm. what are the things you whip out when you are angry, when you are hurt, when you are in a fight, when you are trying to win. Um, For some people, it is going straight for the jugular with like personal insults. For some people, it's a much more roundabout, sneaky way of going at it, like maybe passive aggressive comments or sometimes backhanded compliments. Like my thing is like your shit's going to find a way to come out and just be aware of that and be on top of that and know when it's when it's okay to be like, "Mm, you know what, I'm kind of getting to this place where I'm much more prickly or I know that I'm I'm kind of coming after you and I need to step back and I need to calm down and I need to reapproach this in some way so that you can be compassionate and kind to each other. Um, And again, related to that is halting. You know, it is okay to halt, like recognize when you are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, drinking, sick, 
Uh, horny got added to that one years ago um, because I guess that's a thing that comes up too sometimes. Um, but it is okay to be compassionate both to yourself and your partner by saying, you know what, I am really tired. I know that you're really tired or you told me you're really tired, like let's go to sleep. Or you know what, we are drinking right now. Let's either stop drinking and sober up before we continue this or let's table this and find a time tomorrow when we're sober where we can talk about this. That um, second option's the more realistic. Yes, yeah, the more realistic yeah. option, let's just say it. Um, and I think when you say these things, it doesn't have to be a weaponized thing. Again, like we said earlier, it doesn't have to be like, well, you're too drunk or you're too tired or, or you need to shape up or you need to calm down or you need to halt it can be this very compassionate thing of of just like asking for that time and space. It can be very gentle. It can be, you know what, I really want us to have a good conversation about this, but I feel way too tired. So can we please find some time tomorrow to do this? You know, it can be delivered in a compassionate way that will help move things in a more productive uh, direction rather than a more aggressive direction. Yeah. To kind of go along with that, uh, one should really respect the state of where their partner is at at the present moment. So if they have been, you know, going through a lot of stuff at work, if things are really difficult for them during that time, maybe understand that and be like, hey, it's time to cut my partner a little bit of slack here. Or to realize that like bringing up certain things might not be the most productive uh, just simply because they're not in the mood or in the correct emotional state to handle those types of things that I'm about to throw at them. Just sort of be mindful in those moments and really like understand that, hey, your partner may not be at their best to come at this situation in the way that you need at that moment. So mindfulness in these ways are really important. And also, uh, if something occurs that causes a partner to cry, which I am a huge crier. Anyone who is a longtime fan of this show and especially of the bonus content for our patrons <laughs> knows that I am a huge crybaby. And it's really challenging uh, when people say like, well, you're just being, uh, you know, you're just, what is it, victimizing yourself in this moment mm. because, you know, you're being a crybaby or whatever. You're just being a victim. And it's like, no, I actually just like cry. Like, that's just what I do. But then I can like, I process my emotions sometimes through that. Mm -hmm. And then I move on from them. But it kind of just happens. And it's like, instead of me getting angry, I cry. So I don't know. I think that that it's important to be respectful in those moments mm -hmm. and not just like be like, well, you're crying at me. Instead mm -hmm. be like, wow, maybe I'm just crying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think crying is it's such a charged thing, not even in the experience of crying itself, but in the ways that like we react to other people crying. Yeah. I think it's if you can have a conversation about this with your partner at a time when not, neither of you are crying, like if you or fighting or whatever, like mm -hmm. I think it's a really interesting conversation to get into because I found that like your family of origin, how your family dealt with crying can yeah. really shape how you react to it or how Absolutely. often you cry or don't cry or whatever. Because like, yes, sometimes people have experienced like weaponized crying from their parents sometimes mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, as soon as my mom cried, you know, as soon as mom didn't get what she wants, she would resort to crying and then I would feel bad. And they have that kind of weird negative association with crying. Or it may be something like as soon as I cried, I would get punished for it or I would get yelled at. And so I really try not to cry. Like there's, um, there's like a whole 
gold mine yeah. in there it's of a challenge, like for interesting sure. stuff. And so I would definitely really encourage people like have a conversation just like just examining that and share that with each other of like how crying was dealt with when you were young or like what you you know what you experienced seeing people cry growing up because I think it could really inform how the two of you act when when that happens in the context of an argument. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the next one is just, as Dedeker said before, build your partner up. Again, acknowledge what they're feeling and what they've contributed to the conversation. So again, this can look like just in the moment being like, hey, like, I really know that you're trying here. Like, I, I'm listening to what you're saying. I really appreciate that you are doing X, Y, and Z to like, help this issue. And I see the progress that you've made. And I really, really, you know, love that. Maybe we can still go a step further by doing whatever. But like, I do see that you're trying and I so, so appreciate that. I think that that's huge and that that is a way in which to acknowledge your partner for all of the the great things that they're doing and the, you know, the progress that they've made in any specific thing. It's really important to do that instead of just being like, well, you're not trying hard enough or you're not mm. doing whatever. Instead, like it's way better to keep moving forward and, and showing them your love and showing them that you care and that you can see the progress that they've made. Yeah. Okay. So our third category now is about being empowered and actionable and proactive versus being disempowered and static and reactive. So the first of these is don't make your arguments public. Don't do them in front of people. Um, with the exception... People do that at the restaurant. Oh, yeah. It's totally. awful. The worst. It's so... And it, we just are like like walking like, yeah. like I don't want to go over to that table because they're yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. especially... And then when someone get, gets up and throws something and walks away, it's like, oh. do you want your check? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Or Soup socks. This, this is also not just like public public, but in front of family or in front of mm-hmm. friends, things like that, right? Places where it could be humiliating or embarrassing to someone. Um, is, you know, find a place that is an actual private place where you can actually have this conversation, have this argument. Um, with the exception of times where you realize this is, we need a third party. We need a mediator. We need a counselor, something like that. Obviously, that's an exception. Um, but just in general, don't, don't be like trying to have your arguments in a place where you can make them lose face or something like that. Um, next one is, along with that, is to make a plan to argue together. And I know that sounds silly and people are like, what are you talking about? Um, But really, it's like things we talk about with Radar, which is dedicating a time each month where you're going to talk about your relationship. And that doesn't have to be just arguments. That's also a lot of... But that is a section that we talk about. Right? But it can also be talking about the good things that are going on, talking about what your plans are for the next month, whatever it is, but kind of finding a way to have a dedicated time to have this conversation. This could be something going along with halting. So you say, we're too tired right now, or we're drinking right now, or I'm so angry right now. Instead of just saying the vague, we'll talk about this later, which can kind of turn into kind of a stonewalling situation instead being like we can't talk about this now i have some time on saturday in the middle of the day we were going to spend some time together anyway could we finish talking about this then right it's like actually making a plan so that you can both come to that 
ready and able to have that conversation and not as you're trying to head out the door or when you're tired about to go to bed. Um, and then going along with that is with the exception of taking breaks to halt is to stick with it to the end is actually see this through to a resolution rather than just, I need to get out all of my angriness at you and then, okay, now we're done. And now I'm leaving. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, let's Stand actually by. get through this to the end where we get to a resolution, where we get to what are we going to do about this now to make it better instead of just vent, 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 vent. Okay, stop until the next time. Yeah. Uh, this next one is, <laughs> I like had a huge epiphany when I read this, but have a goal in mind when you come into an argument, which I think like, Almost none of us do. I don't know. I don't want to say always or never or whatever, but like I feel like I I really generally don't come into an argument with like a specific goal in mind. Uh, but I think it's really important to like give your partner the benefit of the doubt and expect that they will give you what you need and what you want mm. from that argument as opposed to being like, well, this is just going to go shitty again, but I got to bring it up because I'm pissed like that mm. kind of yeah. thing. Instead, really be like, okay, my goal is for my partner to understand me in this moment, or my goal is for the two of us to like mutually understand each other better, or for them to understand like what is challenging for me, or what is, you know, an insecurity that I have that they continually touch upon, or something like that. And for them to get it, and for them to like change that behavior in the future, instead of you know, just expecting them to continue on in the same way that they have. I think that's when I read that, I was like, Oh God. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just to clarify, it's not about like my goal is that they're going to agree to exactly this, but more like sure, the but goal is like, it's a like, collaboration. Like you said, Emily, the goal is to better understand why they're doing this and yeah. to find a way that we can work together that neither of us will be upset. It Rather than mm -hmm. they will do exactly X, Y, or Z, because then you're getting into the, like, I just need to win, right? No, I mean, sure, yeah, exactly. But just it, definitely that collaboration goal, I think, is huge. And that hopefully, like, the thing that I need, which might be challenging, but might be a, like, hey, I really need to be better understood by my partner, which I think is generally what most fights are about anyways, mm -hmm. uh, that that gets, gets resolved. Um, and to go along with our radar, to make action points, uh, to be like, hey, okay, I, you know, you feel not good in a certain situation, so actionably I am going to do these things, these actionable things, in order to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And to kind of make goals in that way to further uh, your endeavor of like not, you know, triggering your partner in that way or mm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, the idea behind the action points, and I, I don't think, you know, every fight is not necessarily going to produce action points, you know, because sometimes sure. it's like just by talking about this, we've resolved it and, it and we understand each other and it doesn't feel like there's anything that needs to be put in place. But sometimes it is good to have things in place to know and for both of you to feel like you can trust that, like, okay, we're taking steps to make sure that, like, this doesn't happen again or this kind of miscommunication doesn't happen again. Um, yeah. And again, it is the kind of thing where it's like, I've definitely weaponized this myself of where it's like, well, what are you going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Mm -hmm. um, or kind of trying to use it as a, like, like 
I need you to say the thing that you feel like you're to blame for. Um, yeah. But this can also Our be... Our partners are not mind readers. Yes, but it can also be this very collaborative process. It can be just as easy as like, okay, cool. Like, I feel like we've both had our say. Can we sit down and come up on, with some action points that both of us can do? Or maybe starting by volunteering, like, okay, well, I think from hearing what you have to say, I think that what I can do is do X, Y, and Z. How do you feel about that? You know, can you give me some feedback on how that would feel? You know, and kind of starting that collaborative conversation around what are these specific things that we can do? Um, And that is also part of leading to our last point, um, which is coming to a place of resolution or coming to a place where you feel like you're able to make up with each other. And now I know sometimes that like, Sometimes you've both vented what it is that you want to vent. You both feel like the other person's heard what you wanted them to hear. Maybe you've come up with some action points of like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to try to do this and you're going to try to do this, you know, but maybe you still feel fucking pissed. Um, I know I definitely am in that place sometimes where it's like, even Mm. though logically I know we've come to a place of resolution, but like my body still has this energy in it or this tension in it or this irritation in it. And I know in the past that's definitely been the thing that encourages me to like just drag out a fight even past the point where it's been resolved because I just Mm -hmm. still feel like kind of pissed even though things have technically been resolved. Um, Which is why it's really important and can be really helpful to have some kind of ritual, some kind of formalized way to reconnect to your partner. And it could be, it could be, I don't know, it kind of depends on you and your partner to make this thing up for yourself. It could be, okay, great, let's take 10 minutes in separate rooms and just, like, take a breather and then let's come back together and, like, watch the next episode of our favorite show um, or something like that. Or it could be sometimes being like, hey, can we do a quick little appreciation round, mm-hmm. um, you know, where I can express, hey, like, thank you so much because I really feel like I was heard and I really appreciate hearing your apology about this thing. Or I really appreciate that I still felt safe or I really appreciate that, like, you didn't raise your voice and like I could see Mm. that you made this effort like time where you can even appreciate each other either about things that went down in the discussion itself or just about other things it could be just you know I really appreciate how attractive your face is and and (laughs) things like that but again just to kind of start to discharge some of that like lingering aggression or like fight energy and generate kind of more of this like feeling of normalcy and more of this feeling of reconnecting to each other um if you want to go back to episode 186 our episode titled reconnecting when you don't want to there are definitely some other um you know helpful tactics for employing uh you know being able to reconnect to each other and kind of bring things back to equilibrium even when you're still kind of on the tail end of a fight so I hope that you all got something out of that. I know that I did looking at these lists out there of fighting dirty and fighting fair. And I'm really interested to know those of you out there who have tactics for fighting fair. And those of you also who listen to this episode and realize like, hey, maybe there are some things that I'm doing that are dirty fighting tactics, and maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore. I do want to hear about that as well, because the three of us definitely uh, saw that in ourselves, (laughs) I think, when we researched this episode. So yeah, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-0-5. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Jace Lindgren, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balbanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. And our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.